Hello and welcome to Fair Game with Ferris, a podcast where all sports are fair game. I'm your host, Ferris Bader, and today we're talking Wimbledon with a little bit of bonus coverage. I'm also going to touch on the finals of both Euro 2020 and Copa America. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to start talking Wimbledon. And first, I'm going to get started with the men's draw. The way I'm going to do it is, for those of you that don't know, there's 128 people in in the Wimbledon tournament. And we're currently in the men's in the quarterfinals, which means the last eight. So I'm kind of go into each group of 16, talk about who came out of those 16 to be in the final eight, and just highlight over any big upsets. And to start things off, we have the first 16 and this was really pretty straightforward. Like, Novak Djokovic, the number one seed, he's the one that advances. He's in the quarterfinals from these 16. He's been dominating. He lost the first set of the tournament and then proceeded to not lose another set for the rest of it and up until this point. He's looked good. Uh, against Christian Guerin in the round of 16, he didn't even play his best tennis. It was pretty mediocre by his standards, and yet he still won 6-2, 6-4, 6-2. He's just been dominating. He did beat Kevin Anderson in a rematch of, of the finals a couple years ago, but he beat him pretty easily, 6-3, 6-3, 6-3. As for the other 15 people in the group, we have a couple upsets. First upset was in the first round, uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, the 30 seed, lost to Denis Kudla in five sets, who's unseeded. He was a qualifier. And then the other big upset, Gail Monfli, the 13 seed, lost to um, Pedro Martinez in the second round. But again, other than that, Christian Guerin was the other seeded guy, and he lost to Djokovic, so that makes sense. Not much more to talk about there. Let's go on to the next 16. Here, this 16 is highlighted by the four seeds, Diego Schwartzman at 9, Yannick Sinner at 19, Fabio Foynini at 26, and Andre Rublev at 5. And this was probably the biggest surprise of the tournament so far. None of those four seeded players made it. The guy who made it to the final eight, to the quarterfinals, and has the right to face Djokovic is unseeded Martin Fucevic. He beat 19-seeded Yannick Sinner in the first round, and then he beat the 9-seeded Diego Schwartzman in the third round, and then he beat Andre Rublev, the 5-seed, in the round of 16. So he knocked out three of the four seeds himself. The other guy, the other-seeded guy to lose, Fabio Foynini, lost to Rublev, so that was expected. But it's been it's been fun to watch. I, it's just been interesting. I don't see... Fuchovic is just out of nowhere. He's just been playing really well. His, his tournament has been, like, rough in the sense that he has made it this far, but the, his first match was four sets. Third match was four sets. His last match against Rublev went five sets, and he was down two to one at one point. So he's really had to work. He, I'm almost certain that man is exhausted, and now he has to face Novak Djokovic. So I think this is the end of his tournament run, but what a tournament run it has been. Now let's go on to the next 16. The seeds in this part of the bracket were three-seeded Stefanos Tsitsipas, 
25 seeded Karen Kachanov, 22 seeded Daniel Evans, and 15 seeded Alex Deminar. And this is where probably the biggest upset in the entire tournament happened in the first round. American Francis Tiafo beat the three seeded Stefanos Tsitsipas early on. This was one of the first games to be played. Uh, if you heard couple of my last episodes, I mentioned that we had a big upset. This is what I was talking about. And Tiafo, with a really good job, he's able to make it to the third round where he ultimately loses to Karen Kachanov, the 25 seed, in, in three sets. And Kachanov is the guy who comes out of this uh, part of the bracket. The other two seeds, Daniel Evans, he loses to Sebastian Korda in the third round. And Korda beat Alex Menor, our other seeded uh, guy in the first round. And I'm honestly pretty amazed by Sebastian Korda. Man's unseeded. I'd never heard of him. And he's facing Karen Kachanov in the round of 16. And he made Karen Kachanov work. It went to five sets. For those of you that don't know, each Grand Slam in tennis has a different like rule for what happens in the fifth set. Uh, essentially, it's first to six. Win by two. If you're tied 5-5, five, five, in the fifth set, it goes to seven. But if you make it to 6-6, six, six, this is where things start to differ. In Wimbledon, it says you keep going until 12-12. And if it reaches 12-12 and at no point someone has led by two, then you go to a tiebreak. Karen Kachanov won the fifth set 10-8. So that was a very long game. Sebastian Quarter really made him work. And... I think this is not going to go bode well because Karen Kachanov has to keep playing and he just had to. He won a marathon, essentially. Let's go to the fourth part of our bracket where the seeds are Denis Shapovalov at 10, Nikolos Basilashivli at 24, Riley Opelka at 27, and Roberto Bautista Agut at 8. Shapovalov, the 10 seed, he beats Roberto Batista Agut, the eighth seed, in the round of 16, meaning Shapovalov is the guy moving on. The only other upset, really, in this part of the bracket was uh, Andy Murray beat Nicolas Basila Shilby in the first round, and Dominic Kefer beat Riley Opelka in the first round. Uh, both of those guys, though, have had success in the past, so I don't know if you'd call that an upset, but I guess in terms of seeding, it was. Let's go to the next part, our fifth group of 16, where the seeds are seven-seeded Matteo Berrettini, 28-seeded American John Isner, 20-seeded Aslan Karatsev, and 12-seeded Casper Rudd. Casper Rudd, the 12-seed, lost in the first round to an unseeded Jordan Thompson. Aslan Karatsev, the 20-seed, also lost in the first round to unseeded Jeremy Chardy. 28-seeded John Isner also lost in the first round, also to unseeded, this time, Yoshihito Nishioka. And that leaves one seed, seven-seeded Matteo Berrettini. He doesn't have too much competition. The rest of the way, man's able to make it. He's in the final eight. Kind of like Djokovic, Matteo Berrettini only lost one set this entire tournament so far, and it was in that first match. He's been cruising. He's been looking good. We'll see if he can keep it up. Our third to last group of 16, we have 16-seeded Felix Auger Aliasim, 21-seeded Hugo Humbert, 31-seeded Taylor Fritz, and 4-seeded Alexander Zverev. Now, this, in terms of upsets, was probably the 
worse. Like there wasn't that many upsets. Most of it went as expected. Uh, Ugo Humbert did lose in the first round, but he lost to Nick Kyrgios, who's had a lot of success. And it was a really close match. He lost in five sets. I'm sure y'all have heard of Nick Kyrgios. Kyrgios went on. He lost to Felix Auger Aliasim in the round of 32. Taylor Fritz lost to Alexander Zverev, both of them this being seeds. Alexander was the four seed, so that was also expected, also in the round of 32. And then kind of the marathon. Uh, or, or one of the best matches so far was in the round of 16. We had Felix Auger Alisim, the 16 seed, facing off against Alexander Zverev, the four seed. Felix able to win that one in a five set display. That one went on way longer than it should have if you're Felix. He won the first two sets and then proceeded to lose the next two before ultimately winning the last one. I'm sure he's happy to make it this far, but now he has Matteo Berrettini as his next challenge. We're down to our last two groups of 16 in the men's Wimbledon draw. Capping off the seventh group is six-seeded Roger Federer. Some other seeds in the group would be 29-seed Cam Nori, 23-seed Lorenzo Sonego, and 11-seed Pablo Carreño Busta. The only surprise there, Pablo Carreño Busta losing in the first round to American Sam Query. Sam also has had some success in the past, so I don't want to say it's not a surprise because when you're the 11-seed, it's kind of surprising always to lose, uh, even, if you're, even if it's to someone with some success like Sam Query. But ultimately... If you're going to lose to someone, it would make sense to lose to Sam. Uh, your other seeds, six-seeded Federer. He beats Cam Nori in the round of 64, or excuse me, of 32. That one was pretty, I don't want to say easy, pretty straightforward. It went to four sets. The third set uh, was won by Nori, but it looked like Federer was going to win that match all the way through. Which brings us to the round of 16, where Federer beats Lorenzo Sonego the 23 seed uh, in straight sets. He kind of dominated there. Not much to say. Federer, he's looking good. He's looking healthy. He's only dropped two sets up until this point. Who knows? Maybe he can make a run. He's definitely the fan favorite, especially since all uh, the British players have been eliminated on the men's side of things. So who knows? If, if Federer can win one more, Kind of for old time's sake, I think he'll be happy. I think the tennis world will be happy. And Federer takes on the winner of this last group, Hubert Horkacz. Horkacz, the 14 seed. Other seeds in his group were the 18 seed Grigor Dimitrov, 32 seed Marin Cilic, and two seeded Daniil Medvedev. Medvedev, kind of one of the best players. He is the two seed in the world right now. He's been looking really good, and he lost kind of unfortunate circumstances against Hubert Hercoc. It was raining in the middle of their game. Medvedev was up 2-1 in sets, and he was tied in the fourth set. He just needed to win the fourth set to win the game. But the rain ultimately halted their game. They had to continue it early this morning. The game started yesterday and that break let Hubert Hercoc come back to win the fourth set 6-3 and the fifth set 6-3 as well. Hercoc in line to face Roger Federer, the other seeds that I mentioned, Chilich losing to Medvedev in the round of 32, and Dimitrov losing in the second round to Kazakhstani Alexander Bublik. So there you have it, the final eight players. 
in the men's Wimbledon draw are Novak Djokovic, Martin Fucevic, Karen Kachanov, Denis Shapovalov, Matteo Berrettini, Felix Auger Aliassim, Roger Federer, and Hubert Hurkacz. And as I like to do, I'm going to make some predictions. Let's start at the top. I already said this. I already made this prediction. I think Djokovic will not have too rough of a time with Martin Fucevic. Fucevic, of course, unseated, and he's been playing a lot of tennis. I'm sure he's exhausted. Djokovic, your first man into the semifinals, uh, in my opinion. The next matchup, Karen Kachanov against Denis Shapovalov. This could really go either way. I'm going to say Shapovalov wins it for the main reason that in the second round, Shapovalov won without even having to play uh, Pablo Andujar. I don't remember what the reason was, but he decided not to play that game. Shapovalov probably more well-rested, especially since his last two matches have both been three-set quick wins. I think Shapovalov gets this one. I would not be surprised if Kachanov can pull it off, but again... Shpavlov is well-rested. Kachanov is not after his marathon against Sebastian Korda that ended in the fifth set, 10-8. Shpavlov, next guy into the semifinals. Now we have Matteo Bertini versus Felix Auger Aliassim. And this is another one. I'm not sure exactly what to say. I'm going to pick Matteo Bertini. Again, he's only lost one set, whereas Felix is coming off kind of a a marathon again, a five-set victory against a really good Alexander Zverev. I would not be surprised here if Felix wins. In fact, I would say he's probably, of all the underdogs, seeding-wise, in this part of the tournament, he's probably most likely to win against Matteo Berrettini. I'm still going to pick Berrettini, though. Which brings me to the last two, Roger Federer, Hubert Hurkacz, I'm picking Federer. He's my favorite player, and he's just looked really good. He's only dropped two sets, whereas Hubert Hurkacz, again, he's had to work a lot. He's had to go through a two-day tennis match, and that also means he's definitely not going to be as well-rested because he's coming off one last day of rest against Federer. That means your semifinals, Djokovic, Shapovalov, Berrettini, and Federer. Federer, in my opinion, beats Berrettini to make the final. Djokovic... We'll do the same with Shapovalov, which will bring, in my hopes, an amazing final. Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer, one for old time's sake. And the smart thing to do would be to pick Novak Djokovic because he's been on fire. Uh, he won, I think, the French Open. He was able to beat Ra Rafa Nadal. And again, Rafa Nadal, a name you haven't heard me say here today because he decided not to play. Also, he's sitting at the Olympics, so that's unfortunate for the tennis world but back in talking about the final smart thing is to pick Novak Djokovic because you can't bet against him at this point and you know Rogers really he's getting really old you can kind of see he hasn't been playing like himself when he was in his prime but you know I'm not always the smartest guy I'm not picking Novak I'm gonna pick Roger Federer I want it to happen I hope it'll happen and I'm gonna pick it to happen there you go that's your men's side of the draw Let's go on to the women's side. The women's side, they're a little bit farther along. They are actually in the final four, the semifinals. The four that have made it this far, one-seeded Ash Barty from Australia, 25-seeded Angelique Kerber from Germany, Arina Sabalenka, the two-seed from Belarus, and Czech player 
uh, Karolina Pliskova, she's the eighth seed. Kerber, the 25 seed, is the lowest ranked player here in the semifinals, but she's also the only one to ever win Wimbledon, so that's going to be interesting. She faces off against Ash Barty. Barty has looked absolutely unstoppable. She's the one seed for a reason, but like in, in recent history, she hasn't been really winning much. She's been get, going far. That's why she's the one seed. She's been like racking up the most wins and stuff like that, but she hasn't been actually winning tournaments. I think this is her chance. Right here in Wimbledon, she faces Kerber in the round uh, in the semifinals, and then she'll uh, hopefully, in my opinion, go to the finals. I think Barty beats Kerber. On the other side of things, it's Pliskova against Sabalenka. Sabalenka beating the 21-seeded Onis Jabur in the quarterfinals. Pliskova beating unseeded Golubic from Switzerland. I think Sabalenka, she's the two-seed. I think, again, it's one of those things where it's smart to pick her here. But I don't – one thing you'll come to learn about me, I don't ever like picking, like, favorites consistently. Because I don't like I don't see it as realistic that both the one seed and the two seed are gonna play in the finals, which I know doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's I guess just my my logic. So I'm gonna pick Ash Barty and eight seeded Carolina Pliskova to face in the finals, and I think Barty wins it all. So that's it for the women's side of things. Ash Barty, your champion. For the women, Roger Federer, champion for the men, in my opinion. A couple of things I do want to talk about. On the women's bracket, you didn't hear me mention Serena Williams. She got hurt in her first game. She had to retire. It was like 3-3 in the first set. It wasn't even like a long time. She just slipped and fell. And I don't know if it was her ankle or knee or what, but I don't think it was too bad of an injury, but bad enough where she couldn't finish the game, the match. And so she ended up retiring uh, that match and in the first set, which was unfortunate because as a tennis fan, Serena Williams is good at tennis. She's on a stretch of 12 straight Grand Slams without winning one, which is the longest of her career. Obviously, that was that started when she had her baby. She hasn't won one since she gave birth. But who knows? Hopefully she can come back. Uh, later in the year with the U.S. Open or next year at the Australian Open and, and get back to her old ways. You know, she was she historically she's won the U.S. or Wimbledon a lot, so people were expecting big things, but that was not the case. And that brings me to my next topic. A lot of people have been getting injured in this Wimbledon. It's unfortunate because again, you want to watch good tennis, and when people are slipping and falling, that's not good tennis. And the reason is there's been a lot of rain. You heard me talk about how Medvedev, um, his game was postponed an entire day, halfway through, like they played half the match, and then they're like, it's raining, we can't finish it. Let's go, we have to finish it tomorrow. That's what they did because of the rain. And there's also been a couple other problems caused by the rain. You know, Wimbledon is a grass court, the, the court is grass. It's about uh, as easily as I can explain that. But when it rains, obviously the grass gets wet and it's harder to dry it off on the, on the grass as opposed to other surfaces. So you see a lot more players slipping and falling. In the first round, Roger Federer's opponent, Adrian Manorino, he looked like he had a good chance to beat Federer. He was 2-2, like in sets. What? 
essentially, he was beating Federer two to one, actually, excuse me, in sets. He was up, looked like he was going to knock Federer out, be the second big upset of the tournament. And then in the fourth set, he slipped and fell to, towards the end. He played out the rest of the fourth set. Federer won it, making it 2-2. But then Manorino was like, yeah, uh, I can't finish. I'm hurt. He did something to his ankle, I think. And Federer essentially gets the freebie win there. And since then, he's looked unstoppable. But that was not a good way to start the tournament in after the game, even Federer, he's like, yeah, I definitely, I was lucky there. Like, I feel bad for Manorino. I never hope that an opponent gets injured, but I'm definitely lucky he got injured because I was not going to win that. That's what Federer said. So the wet surface is playing a big part, big role in this tournament. And I guess that's just, that's part of the game. You don't, it's part you don't like to see happen, but I guess it is almost inevitable. Uh, nothing you can do about the weather. That's it for my Wimbledon part of this episode. Now we're going to move on and talk about some more soccer. y'all euro 2020 first up we have switzerland spain and for those of you that don't remember on friday i picked switzerland this was my big upset and watching the game it was a little nerve-wracking spain scored first they made it one nothing and then in the second half switzerland was able to tie it up make it one one and then in the 77th minute switzerland gets a very very questionable red card everyone i've talked to said that should have been red and more importantly through the referee in such a big moment you shouldn't be giving straight red right there. If the foul is questionable, give him a yellow and then go to VAR and, and check if it should be red. That's not what happened. He gets a red card. And essentially, Switzerland looks out of it. Yes, the score is tied, but they're down 10. They're down a man. 13 minutes left in regulation, and then they have to go all 30 minutes of extra time should it go there. Um, down a man. And that's what happened. They, in the 13 minutes... Uh, nothing, nothing happened, no score. So we go to extra time store, still 1-1. Switzerland still down a man. And this is when I saw one of the best goaltending performances I've ever seen. Jan Sommer, the Switzerland keeper, just absolutely amazing. He stopped, I don't know how many Spain shots in the 30 minutes, but he probably stopped 10 by himself in those 30 minutes. Spain at the end of the game had 13 corners. And I'm sure more than half of those came in extra time. It was just attack after attack after attack. And no matter where they attacked from, Sommer was able to stop it. And so me, who having picked Switzerland, I was like, okay, my, my, my man, this is what I like to see. He's able to make it go all the way to penalties. And if you're Switzerland, that's all you could have hoped for. When you lose a man 43 minutes before the end of the game, all you can ask for at that point is penalties. And they got them. And then happened one of the weirdest penalty shootouts I've ever seen. Spain ends up winning at 3-1. What a tough way to go out if you're Switzerland, battling 45 minutes of the best defense and best goalkeeping of your life, only to lose like that in penalties. And so I started off Euro 2020 0-1 in predictions. That hurt. Uh, I, I obviously want to be right, but that was not the case. Next, we go on to the next match, Belgium-Italy. I picked Italy 
because if y'all remember, I said Belgium had two players hurt, Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard, and we had no clue if either of them was going to play. Ultimately, Kevin De Bruyne did play. He had a monster game. He was much needed. Eden Hazard did not. Italy scores two in the first half, making it 2 nothing, And then in stoppage time of the first half, Belgium responds with a penalty. They score, make it 2-1, and that's it for the rest of the game. The Italy goalkeeper Donnarumma, Gianluigi Donnarumma, he looked really good in the second half. Belgium late had five or six chances to even up the score, but Donnarumma stops them. So there you have it. That was Friday's games. Italy and Spain moving on, which means I'm one for two. Moving on, we have Denmark-Czech Republic on Saturday. I picked Denmark, uh, the power of Ericsson, for those of you that remember. And what happened, Denmark scored two. Early again, they're up to nothing. It's looking, it's looking like another drubbing by Denmark. Again, they beat Wales for nothing uh, in the round of 16. They look really, really good, and they're up to nothing already. In the second half, though, uh, Czech Republic able to respond with one. Their goal scorer, he, uh, Patrick Schick, he scores his fifth of the tournament, tying Ronaldo for most in this tournament. And ultimately, that's it. Denmark. Moving on to the semifinals, and that makes my predictions two for three. And now we have England. My prediction was England was going to win by a lot. Ukraine, not particularly a good, or I don't want to say good. If you've made the quarterfinals, you're obviously good, but not expected to be really too dangerous of a team and barely beating Sweden. And again, I was right. England, four nothing. Harry Kane, two goals. It's uh, not much to talk about there. They just destroyed him. Ultimately, I'm three for four in predictions, and that means I get to make three more predictions here today. Italy-Spain starts in half an hour. I think Spain wins that one. Um, Spain's look good, and Italy lost their left back, Spinazzola, to a, an Achilles. I don't remember if it was an Achilles or an ACL, but something really bad. He's out the rest of the tournament. I think that has a big impact, and ultimately Spain wins, in my opinion. On the other side of things, we have England-Denmark. Now, what I'll say is if, if I was picking based on what I wanted to happen, both of my picks would be different. If I picked who I want to win, my picks would be Italy and Denmark because, again, I really want Denmark to win it all. It would be the second time ever they've won it all. They won it all in 88. But I just think England's too good. It's, I don't see England losing to Denmark, especially without Ericsson. That being said, that's my final for you all. Spain, England, and... That brings us to the final match. Who do I think wins Spain-England? Ladies and gentlemen, it's coming home. I think England wins that one. They look unstoppable. They haven't given up a goal all tournament, and they've scored eight. They're just they're looking too good, in my opinion, and I don't know if Spain can finish against them. Spain barely beat Switzerland. Like It's been a little bit rough around the edges. And with that, that's my prediction. England, first place. Spain, second place. And then in the Italy-Denmark, third place game. I'm sorry, Denmark. I think Italy will take care of them. There you have it. Italy third and Denmark fourth. Which brings me to the Copa America. First, we had Peru-Paraguay. I picked Peru. Now, the interesting thing about Copa America is when it's tied after extra time, it doesn't, or when it's tied after regulation, there is no extra time. It just goes straight into penalties. And here, Peru-Paraguay, it was back and forth. Paraguay scored first. Peru scored two more and make it 2-1. And then Paraguay 
lost. They they got a red card. And so now they're down 10 men. They're down a goal. Paraguay is able to score again, make it 2-2. And then Peru scores to make it 3-2. And then Peru gets a red card in the 85th minute. So there's five minutes left of game time left. Both teams are down to 10 men, and Peru's up 3-2. Paraguay equalizes late. So what a crazy game. Scores 3-3. Both teams ended up with 10 players. But we're in penalties, and Peru wins it in penalties. 4-3. That made me happy. I like watching Peru. They're a fun team to watch. And there you go. Peru, the first team on to the semifinals. I'm one for one. Next, we have Brazil-Chile. Brazil scores in the first half. About two minutes into the second half, they get a red card. So now Chile, they have about 43 minutes to score a goal up a man. They're unable to do that. Brazil wins it 1-0, uh, making my predictions 2-2 two for two in the Copa America. Now let's go to Uruguay-Colombia. I picked Uruguay to win. I think with, with Suarez and Cavani is too much for Colombia, especially Colombia hasn't looked too – they haven't looked that good, let's be honest, here in Copa America. Ultimately, nothing happens. We go to penalties at a score of 0-0. And I was wrong. Colombia wins it in penalties 4-2. So now I'm 2-3. for three. And this brings up Argentina-Ecuador. I picked Argentina. Uh, it was pretty straightforward. Argentina scored three times. Messi with a beautiful free kick goal. Um, final score, 3-0, and Ecuador also did get a red card, but that was late. Did not really have too much of an effect on the game. Like, the red card was actually what gave Argentina the free kick that Messi scored on. So, that happened late. That means your semifinals, Brazil versus Peru, Argentina versus Colombia. Now, Brazil versus Peru's already happened. That was yesterday. Brazil winning it one nothing. They score in the 35th minute, Peru unable to respond. They had their chances, but... Unfortunately, no can do for Peru, which means tonight we have Argentina-Colombia. I think Argentina wins it. Uh, again, I don't have too much faith in Colombia. They didn't look too good in the group stage, and they barely beat Uruguay on penalties, whereas Argentina dominated Ecuador. That sets up a final of Argentina-Brazil. I really i am biased uh, in this situation. I'm a fan of Messi. And I really want him to win an international trophy. So I'm going to give it to him. I think Argentina beats Brazil. I think they get that goal, or not even goal, they get that trophy for Messi finally, meaning Argentina's first, Brazil's second. And then in the third place match, we have Peru-Colombia, and I'm going to pick Peru. They put up a fight against Brazil, and I don't see Colombia putting up a fight against really Argentina or Peru. So... There you go. Peru third place, Colombia fourth place. And those are my predictions for Euro 2020 and for Copa America. That's it for me today, y'all. Thank you for listening. Tune in Thursday where we're talking basketball. We have the rest of the NBA playoffs and game one of the NBA finals is tonight. We're going to be talking about all of that and checking in on my predictions there. Looking pretty good so far and that's it. Thank you. You can find me on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and basically wherever you listen to your podcasts. My name is Ferris Bader, and this has been Fair Game with Ferris. Yes.